Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, again, good morning and. Thanks for joining us here on Faith Radio for Mornings with Carmen. Carmen is out. I'm Paul Perot. So appreciate you having with me. Um, Hopefully you've been praying for those affected by Hurricane Ian. Yeah, it slammed yesterday afternoon into, well, right around the Fort Myers area as a borderline, well, it was top end of being a Category 4, almost a Category 5. It was a strong storm. Storm surges, if you've seen any of the pictures of the flooding, the trees down, there are 2.5 million households and businesses without electricity. Work is being done right now. Keep them in prayer. And also, maybe you were like me this morning. You opened up your email and you saw an email from, say, like Samaritan's Purse, because I've, you know, been part of Operation Christmas Child, which is um, in, and, you know, that's part of Samaritan's Purse ministry. And I got an email saying, hey, we're, we're on the ground helping out in Florida right now, and maybe you've gotten that, or maybe you've done support through Send Relief, which is the Southern Baptist Convention's relief arm, or Salvation Army, or maybe, well, there's so many Christian FEMAs, as I like, some people like to call them. It's amazing how, especially when you go to places like Texas, when the hurricane a couple of years ago was it now, one, I forgot which one it was, because they get a lot of hurricanes, hit Houston, and Faith FEMA, the churches down there are so well organized to handle the situation, and then they work through organizations or get support from organizations like Samaritan's Purse and the others I mentioned, to help their neighbors. Well, here's a great opportunity for you to support churches helping their neighbors. Maybe your denomination already has a connection that way. Maybe your church does. I would urge you, respond to the need right now and also just keep bathing it in prayer. Well, we're encouraging you to join us. If you haven't yet, there's still time to join us for our Reading the Bible Together First Peter event. Well, not event. It's what we're doing right now. We have a study guide. We have podcasts to help you in your study, all at MyFaithRadio.com. Just sign up for Reading the Bible Together. Now, today, this is day number four of our Read the Bible Together. Of course, you can do it at your own pace, but if you were, if you joined us starting Monday. Today's day four, looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 25. I want to read a portion of that. Peter writes, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as the head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them uh, pardon me, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and honor those who do right. It is God's will that you, your honorable lives, should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you, for you are free, yet you, lo- you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Respect the king. Now, now Paul wrote, or pardon me, Peter wrote that, and You know, we live in a time of, I know there's a lot of people who want to resist political um, authority because you have political disagreements. I I get that. Now, Peter not only wrote this, you remember back in the book of Acts, 
he, um, he was brought before the Sanhedrin, who told him, do not preach the stop filling Jerusalem with your teaching and determining to make us guilty of Jesus's blood. Peter and the other apostles, Peter, yeah, he replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgave their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So you have, in a sense, a type of disobedience, what Peter is doing here to the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, and yet he's also calling us to honor the human authorities. There's sometimes a tension because sometimes in... Our disagreement, we're disagreeing about, about what God has called us to do. For example, defending the right of unborn children. And there are people who are fighting against that, some using political power, others just using terror. How do we deal with that? Coming up in just a few moments, um, Sarah Zylstra from the Gospel Coalition is going to be joining us. And there was a pregnancy care center in New York State, which was firebombed back in early June. Well, being the uh, reporter at uh, the Gospel Coalition dealing with faith and how people live out their faith, she went and she went and learned about this and she has an amazing article up at the Gospel Coalition we're going to talk about and I hope you go to read it. We'll have it in our show notes, but Sarah's going to join me in just a few moments to tell the story of the Compass Care Pregnancy Services of New York State. That's coming up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot. This is Faith Radio. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot, defending the rights of the unborn. We were talking about that about an hour ago with Ben Johnson because uh, he has an article up at his uh, web news site, uh, the Washington Stand, regarding arguments regarding the um, fetal heartbeat. And is there a fetal heartbeat at six weeks? Plus, we looked at some news items around the upcoming elections and some states having uh, referendums, they're having ballot issues dealing with abortion, and we want you to be informed about those things. Also want you to know about organizations that are still on the front lines offering help, practical help to women who want to keep their babies, who, and also who want to help other women think about, hey, you, you, you don't have to do abortion. You can be a mom. There are things you can do. Pro-life uh, care centers, we're going to talk about them right now with Sarah Zylstra, who is from the Gospel Coalition. Sarah, thank you again for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for letting me come. <laughs> so enjoy it. Now, officially, what's your title there? I, I kind of mashed it up. I didn't have your bio <laughs> open. I know. Um, so I'm officially called a senior writer, um, although I also do editing and other stuff. So but you're, writing you're, is my main job. Yeah. yeah, but there's a focus to that writing that you do. Mm-hmm. And that yep. is... My focus is to tell stories of where God is at work in the world. So if you think about reporters from different news organizations having beats, right? Like somebody's on the education beat and somebody's on the politics beat and somebody's on the something else beat. Um, I'm, I'm sort of on the Holy Spirit beat or the God <laughs> beat. My job is to see like, where is God doing something 
of course he's doing something always everywhere, but where is he doing something really extraordinary that we can write about and celebrate and be encouraged together? How about the God is on the move beat? Yes, exactly. That That sounds really good. (laughs) And God is on the move in many communities. A lot of communities have been dealing it ever since, well, actually even before the Dobbs decision was handed down because the uh, decision or part of the decision was uh, leaked beforehand, and that's still being worked out. But many churches tied to pro-life ministries, many pro-life ministries have been attacked by, Mm -hmm. uh, well, by many groups, especially one. Tell us about it. Yeah, um, you're right. Lots of groups have been attacked. So far, there hasn't been any arrests in those. Um, I don't, you can make of that what you will. Um, there's probably about 50 of them. One was called Compass Care, and it's in New York State. They've got a couple offices there. Um, and they, someone came in in the middle of the night. It's a group that's called Jane's Revenge. Um, you can find them actually online if you Google them, but you also know it's them because they literally write in cursive on your wall with spray paint. Jane was here or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so they broke in, they smashed the windows, they smashed the door, they um, lit a fire, they throw, they throw Molotov cocktails, and then they spray painted graffiti on this place. And so pretty much made it uninhabitable for quite a while. Um, yeah, scary. It was scary. That was the downside. Uh, Jane's revenge mm-hmm. attacking the Compass Care Pregnancy Center in New York State, uh, one of their offices. Mm-hmm. From there, yes. though, you the story changes. That's not yeah. the end of the story by any stretch. Tell you what, um, we'll get to the, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story in just a few <laughs> moments as we continue on Mornings with Carmen here on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. This is a new day. Everything first day with hope. Come on Again, this is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot, and we're talking with Sarah Zylstra, the God is on the move beat reporter. I like that. that there really has a r- rhythm to it, doesn't it, Sarah? <laughs> yeah. At the Gospel yep. Coalition. Anyway, and you're telling us the story right now, and you can read the full story. There's so much that we're not going to be able to get to, but it is so inspiring how God has been on the move with Compass Care Pregnancy Services in New York State, one of many crisis pregnancies who that have been under attack. Uh, we talked before with a woman here in the Twin Cities where I, we're located who uh, her the organization she's part of was attacked too by a group and there's been many others been boy over 50 crisis pregnancy centers I think have been attacked yep. that you know yep. of yep okay we, we 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 before the break we were talking about Compass Care Pregnancy Center one of their offices was attacked uh vandalized by a group called Jane's Revenge but let's hear the rest of the story because, as I mentioned, you're the God is on the move beat reporter, and God has been on the move from that point on. So pick up the story. 
Yeah. One thing we love to do is look in places where it looks really dark. Like you would think, boy, God can't be doing anything there. It's just so dark and sad. But if you look there, you will see it. Um, and this is exactly one of those stories. So um, Compass Care has been um, working through, they've got a, a team of nurses. They really have a medical focus to them as well. And they're close, they're in New York. So they watch New York City and they've been watching the abortion industry for the past couple of years. And they were watching how the the numbers of abortions in New York went down, but at the same time, New York uh, abortion clinics were building up their infrastructure and it just didn't make any sense. And then they were watching also the abortion lobby and the things that were happening. And they could see um, that as when Donald Trump was president, the judiciary was turning more pro-life. He was appointing lots of pro-life judges. He, they could see cases coming up through those and they could also see that he was changing the composition of the Supreme Court. And our guy, people at the Compass Care thought, oh, I bet the abortion industry can see the overturning of Roe coming and they are changing their positions. And they were. They built up more of their state lobbies and they also really pushed into what we would call telecare, teleabortions, basically, um, working on like where you can call someone online. You don't have to actually go in and ask for a pill. You could call online or... Um, and, and someone would dispense to you like, oh, you say you're pregnant. Um, I don't have to do a check for you. I can just dispense this to you um, over the internet. We'll send some pills to your house and you'll be good to go. Um, the reason that this really took off for the abortion industry is be, was because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Because when COVID, you could say, oh, it's not safe to do an in-person visit in a clinic. We have to move our abortions online. And once that happened, that change just was easy to make permanent, which the FDA did last yeah. December. Okay, now, Compass saw this, and they responded in yes. a great way. They made their own. So they said, well, if a woman, lots of women, and we do this for all kinds of things, right? If you want to know about something, even if you're having a medical procedure, you might go online. So women today, if they're thinking about abortion, go online, and they type in their Google search bar, abortion side effects or abortion risks. And abortion companies were like, well, we want to be there to meet them so we can, this is a business for us and we can then sell them our pills. Or, you know, if you're thinking about them in the most charitable way, they would are trying to help in a twisted way. Well, tell, Compass Care thought, we want to be there as well. We also want to be something that pops up on their Google search. Um, we want to have a nurse. We want to say, click right here and you can talk immediately to a nurse. So Compass Care set up a, basically in their offices is a separate office for their telecare nurse. And her job is to be online connecting with patients immediately. They said, you make your abortion decision within 24 hours of learning that you're pregnant. And so when the first time that someone goes online and does that search, Compass Care wants to be the one that pops up that says, have a question for a nurse. You want to ask a nurse a question? We've got one right here, right now. Mm -hmm. And then she can chat with them. And her job isn't to dispense pills or isn't to convince them of anything, except for perhaps you should go and see an actual physician. You need to check um, on your pregnancy, see how far along you are, just for your own health and your own safety, not to mention that of your your child. You've got to get in there and and be seen. You know, that's an important part because you brought it out in the article. Uh, when it comes to a pregnancy, one of the reasons you, you should have it checked is the the small but unfortunately growing tendency toward ectopic pregnancies. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's exactly right, which means that your pregnancy is growing outside of your uterus. It's in your fallopian tubes, and the more uh, that can kill you. 
Um, and so, but if you don't know that that is there and you just take an abortion pill and you bleed and you cramp, well, that's this, those are the side effects of taking an abortion pill. Those are also the symptoms of having an ectopic pregnancy. And so the, the pill that you're taking is masking the signs of your, of your pregnancy that is in trouble. And so that is an exceptionally, probably the most dangerous thing that can happen. But there's also, just like with a miscarriage, um, you, you, when you lose a baby through kind of forcing a miscarriage, you are bleeding a lot. You are cramping a lot. Mm-hmm. You, um, there's a, there's a million, you can, um, have blood infections. There's a, there's a lot of reasons why you'd want that to be under medical care. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now let's back up a little bit because, okay, that one clinic was bombed, um, mm-hmm. back on June 7th. This was after the leak of the, uh, of the DOPS decision before it actually was issued. What's happened at that clinic since then? Yeah, I love, love, love this part of the story. So um, so this clinic is bombed. They're a mess. The very next day, three different places call them and offer, hey, do you want to open up your clinic here? And the very next day after that, they are up and running again. But not only that, um, because this was a pretty, uh, a lot of news stories covered this. I'm not going to say it was national news, but it was covered quite a bit. And they started getting phone calls and checks from Christians who are all over the country saying, hey, can we help you with construction? Can we help you with your marketing? Can we help you with your telehealth initiative? Um, and those, and lots of churches were praying for them. And because of that publicity, they've been able to shoot forward this process that they had been working on for quite a while, years, and yet this just gave it the boost that it needed um, to financially get where they needed to be and also just publicly get where they needed to be. And so they can absolutely see the hand of God working even in the, the wretchedness, which you would never want to happen of your place being vandalized. But even through that, God can turn it and is working it for good. Mm, there you go again. What, God, what people meant for evil, God turned for good, which is amazing. Uh, we just have a few moments, and I want you to highlight— Jim Harden, who is the, uh, well, he's the president of Compass Care Pregnancy Services in New York. Yeah. And his story. story. Share his story. It is amazing. Yeah. So uh, Jim Harden was born, gosh, I don't even know what year it was, quite a while ago. Um, And his mother was a Planned Parenthood volunteer. His father um, was in hospital administration, ran a hospital. And he says to me, the first sentence he says to me is, I was born with an abortion-causing contraceptive wrapped around my wrist at the hands of famed abortionist Neville Sender. Um, Neville Sunder was a very famed abortionist, if you look him up. Um, And the abortion-causing contraceptive was an IUD that his mother had implanted. They didn't want... They, his parents didn't want children right then. And it was wrapped around his wrist when he had, when he was born. Um, it's amazing, right? And so, but his parents weren't Christians. When they were, when he was young, they divorced. Then they separately came to Christ. His mom came to Christ at a Billy Graham crusade and his dad threw a friend at a racquetball club. And then his dad, after seven years from being divorced, both separately came to Christ. His dad came to his mom and said, will you remarry me? Hmm. And they had, and she said, yes. And they basically started again with a Christian marriage. Um, Hardin was about 15 years old when he came to Christ from watching his parents. Um, he said, I could tell they had both genuinely changed and that brought him to the Lord. Um, and so that kind of started him on his, he, um, was grew up trying to decide between ministry and medicine, kind of ended up in both in the end. Married a girl who worked at a pro-life pregnancy center, and they have just, you know, had 10 kids of their own, and they've been in this industry ever since. God is on the move. 
God is on the move. God go. is out there. You just got to look around a little bit, but there he is doing something amazing. Well, I'm glad you're looking at it. Um, if you are not following Sarah on social media or at least checking out her page at the Gospel Coalition, there's this story. There's an amazing story you just put up a little while ago about Eliza Fletcher, who was mm. killed, uh, this Sunday school teacher. There's a video of her singing This Little Light of Mine on YouTube that you can see, and how God used her funeral. In what, I mean, you, you tell such great God is on the move kind of stories, uh, Sarah. So, yeah. so appreciate it. So, check Sarah out. Oh, also, um, should mention your book real quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So this summer we released a book that I edited. It's called Social Sanity in an Insta World, and it's aimed at women and helping them figure out a gospel-centered way to think about how they use social media. I it, and we talked to you about that before the mm-hmm. podcast. So that is on the Mornings with Carmen show page at myfaithradio.com plus on the Faith Radio app. Sarah, thank you. Thanks again for joining us. So appreciate it. Thank you so much for letting me talk about this stuff. It's always so encouraging to remember what God is doing. It is, it is. Well, this is Mornings with Carmen. Breakpoint is next. Thanks for listening to Faith Radio. This is Mornings with Carmen. Okay, I know it's breakfast time, but maybe you're already planning lunch. Maybe your plan is to go through the drive-thru. Did you grow up on McDonald's Happy Meals? And now as an adult, you're kind of going, you know, I miss the Happy Meals. I mean, you can still get them, but there's not enough food in them. Aha! Starting next week, McDonald's will be offering the adult Happy Meal Box. Well, I don't know if they're calling it the Happy Meal, but it's the Adult Meal Boxes. And, okay, you get not a small burger. You can either choose between a Big Mac or a 10-piece McNuggets along with fries and a drink. But, yeah, there was also the draw of getting the Happy Meal, of getting a toy, a little item, a little gift. Well, guess what? This will. They partnered with Cactus Plant Flea Markets, a streetwear brand. And so starting this coming Monday, when you get your adult Happy Meal, you you can either get a Grimace, a Hamburglar, a Birdie, or a Cactus Buddy figurine. Not exactly sure what the Cactus Buddy is, Ryan. I have next to no idea. But this sounds like a great opportunity to bond with your kids and say, let's just both go and get a Happy Meal. There you we go. can both get a Happy Meal at McDonald's. Yours will just be happier because <laughs> it's bigger? I guess so. Something I like guess that? so. <laughs> All, right. All right. So, you know, one of the things we try and help you here at Mornings with Carmen do is help you apply the mind of Christ to the matters of the day. And oftentimes we're asking the question, what is real? What is the truth? Now, as Christians, many of us would say, well, how, do we, how can we know the truth? Well, the Bible tells us so, right? We go to the Bible. Now, many secular people these days are talking about their truth that is based upon their beliefs, based upon a quest to be authentic with their feelings. Now, in a sense, both of these, whether we say the Bible gives us answers or my feelings give, those are faith statements. Now, both can't be true. Is there something other, another source of truth God uses? Uh, theologian, Christian theologian Jordan Peterson is going to join me in just a bit to talk about how God speaks also through his creation to us. That's coming up next here on Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. You're my defender. 
This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Quick response to uh, Mary on our text line. Did I mention that today is National Coffee Day? No, but... Um My coffee's right here, so now I guess we have mentioned that. Well, anyway, as we continue here on Mornings with Carmen, I... There's certain people who have really gobbled up a good chunk of my life over the last year and a half. One of those people is uh, Jordan Baller from, well, he's, he's uh, with the, uh, the Center for Religion, Culture, and Democracy. He's also one of the people on the translation team for uh, the works, the collected, what is it, the Complete Works of Kuiper? Something like yeah. that, Jordan? Yeah, the Collected Works of Public Theology of Kuiper. Y- yeah. yeah, and I've been reading through a lot of his thinking, which is mind-blowing in many res- respects. And the more I'm influenced by him, the more certain things jump out at me, like you and I, I, I shared the article with you. When it comes to us understanding how God reveals his ways, his will about himself, yes, Scripture is, as the the Belgic Confession talks about, most clearly, fully known by, he makes himself most clearly and fully known to us by his holy and divine word, that is to say, as far as it is necessary for us to know in this life, uh, to, for us to know in this life to his glory and sal- our salvation. You know, that's where we get the most of it. But the, the Belgic Confession says, second, he does that. First, he does it by another means. And what is that? That's creation, what it says, creation, preservation, government of the universe. So it, it uses God's created order um, as what it calls in the Belgian Confession, the, a most elegant book. Um, so it talks mm-hmm. about these two books, one of them a literal book, you know, in the way that we normally have it, the, the Bible, and then the other, the book of creation, uh, wherein, again, this is the Belgian Confession, all creatures, great and small, are as so many characters or letters, you could say, leading us to, and then this, it quotes Romans 1, see clearly the invisible things of God, even his everlasting power and divi- divinity, all of which things are sufficient to convince men and leave them without excuse. So the Reformed tradition in the Belgian Confession, this kind of picture is picked up um, in the Westminster Standards and among Presbyterians as well. There's this idea that God has revealed himself throughout all of creation, and especially in a special way through what's called special revelation, and um, as that special revelation comes to be manifest in the Bible and Scripture. And it- now the the confession and usually that's kind of limited how God has revealed Himself, but I think God reveals more than just that through both His Word and His creation. Not fully, we can't know things fully, but it really jumped out at me. Okay, when it comes to our modern cultural debates about uh, you know, there's so many things politically, uh, personally, as far as um, gender identity, you name it. The list goes on and on. There, there seems to be attention to what creation says, what God's word says, and what the world. And this really came to a point when I was reading an article recently. Uh, Bo Weingard, I've mentioned him earlier today because for some reason he's one of these out of the box thinkers, and uh, you know he doesn't fit nicely into any one tribe. But he said something recently in an article about what was entitled Against Authenticity. He kind of winds down the article saying, to get something 
worthy, uh, worth praising from humanity requires effort, discipline, and constant constraint. S- the celebration of authenticity is premised often only half-knowingly on a quasi-Rousseauist belief that humans are naturally good and only corrupt by society, but that belief is patently wrong. Humans are not naturally good, he adds, not, or evil. Rather, they are flawed, <laughs> limited, and, and contradictory creatures capable of envisioning a peaceful, cooperative society of abundance, but unable to achieve it because their efforts are undermined by selfishness and rivalry which kind of says well there's something still wrong with us there's something evil anyway back to what he wrote although they cannot fully achieve their moral goals they can with the guidance of wise norms and institutions create a lively and flourishing civilization then he kind of winds down to be human is to be and here's the thing that jumped out at me to be human is to be artificial paradoxically the most authentic thing we can do is to strive toward our to transcendent to transcend ourselves and become what we are not and that's what jumped out at me it's like something doesn't seem right now what maybe you're like me what are you seeing in that is something not quite right yeah, so I I think he's he's fumbling towards something that's really true which is that in in the history of humanity, as we understand it from a Christian perspective in redemption history, we find ourselves in a fallen state, right? After the fall into sin and things are radically corrupt and things are radically wrong. That doesn't mean that they're as bad as they possibly could be, although we might be tempted to say that, you know, things are as bad as they can get in, in particular moments, say before the flood comes in the in the genesis narrative things seem pretty bad we were talking about kuiper earlier he says it's a, it's it was a sort of veritable hell on earth you know before god sent the flood but it, it, things are not usually like that there there are bad things in this world and we can recognize them and discern them but we can also um know that things are not as bad as they could be or maybe perhaps even as bad as we deserve given you know how how much of a violation of god's will it was to fall into sin so there's this tension that exists from a Christian perspective out there in the world and in us between, you know, what we are called to be, what we should be, what God wants us to be and what we are as we're born in this fallen and sinful state. And so you can see um, in, um, reflections of this in people who don't share the Christian faith, recognizing that there is something wrong with the world um, and trying to locate, you know, where the blame, uh, find solutions, try to fix things and you can blame things on society. You can blame it on the human person. You can locate, you know, the blame in a particular class. And so that's one way to understand what's going on here is we're, we're all dealing with the same reality of fallenness and brokenness and corruption. And then we're trying to explain how we got there and how we might get out of it. And we have radically different answers for that, of course, depending on our perspective. All right. We're talking to uh, Jordan Ballard from the center for religion, culture, and democracy. And uh, Jordan, this gets down to, Again, God reveals through creation. Now, we live in a broken, corrupt world, but, okay, we're, we're applying some theology here back onto creation to kind of interpret it, I would, I guess we could say, and re- applying the Bible back, which, you know, I'm not against because I think there's kind of a uh, relationship, a, uh, you know, inner, inner uh, communication, so to speak. Bible helps us, well, the creation helps us interpret portions of the Bible. You, you see that in many places where, creation illustrations are used but it also goes the other way i think too where god says here's what i did and you see that in creation right so we've encountered this this um imagery of the two books Mm -hmm. already in our discussion um calvin john calvin uses the imagery of spectacles 
to describe what scripture does and helping us to read that other book. Um, it clarifies things, um, things that are fuzzy or that we may not even see out there that are, that exist in the world objectively. Uh, we may not perceive because of the corruption of, of sin or the, the corruption of our minds, the corruption of our perceptions. So scripture clarifies and, and as the Belgian confession says, extends in some way our understanding of God as well as of creation, this point that you were, you were making earlier. So there's continuity in terms of who and what is being revealed in these two sources. They don't disagree. Ultimately, all truth is God's truth and it all mm-hmm. comes from him. So that's, that's the dynamic that we have between, between creation and scripture. And it's not just about who God is. Obviously, in some ways, that's, that's in many important ways, that's the most important and significant thing. But learning about who God is teaches us about ourselves because we're created in his image, of course, right? And in some limited ways, all of creation images him. It embodies some thought of his. It, It captures some idea of his. It captures some purpose that he wanted to come to fruition in, in, the act of creation and preserving creation and consummating it ultimately. So we learn about God and who he is by what he does and, and learning about ourselves. And so there's this really intimate connection, not only between creation broadly and our understanding of God, but even between uh, our understanding of ourselves and who God wants us to be. And this gets a little bit back to that dynamic between uh, um, that Weingarter piece, you know, that, that there is something beyond what we are at this moment that any of us are that God is calling us to become. And so there's that tension of what, what he wants us to be and what we actually are. And then, of course, there's the, the most important transformative moment when we come to new life in Christ that allows us to live more fully into his desires. Mm, yeah. Well, we need to take a break right now, but when we get back, a lot of this has been kind of Heady, and hopefully we can bring it down to some to some uh, brass tacks kind of stuff here, uh, Jordan. At least I hope we can, because this is sure. this is some big stuff, and it's something that I'm still trying to form in my mind. So that's why I bring you on, because I get to talk to you, and people get to hear us <laughs> talk this over. And oh, oh, yeah, that's what I'm hoping happens anyway. So <laughs> we'll continue this conversation as Mornings with Carmen continues. I'm Paul Perot, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do every morning on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. I don't want you to miss any of it. So check out the free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. One of the things I would like for you to consider is becoming a Faith Radio ambassador. We talk about walking our faith out into the world that God so loves and doing so in ways that honor Jesus, well, that's because we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You can become a Faith Radio ambassador today and help us get the word out to others about this and other programs on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, We will supply everything that you need to share with others, and you can sign up to be a Faith Radio ambassador at MyFaithRadio.com. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Pro filling in. Carmen should be back on Monday. Thank you for your prayers for her as she's recovering from that uh, minor surgery she had back on Tuesday. Back to my conversation with Jordan Baller from the Center uh, for Religion, Culture, and Democracy, a guy who's eaten up a lot of my time because of, well, he was part of this translation team for uh, the collective works of Kuiper, which I've been, you know, I'm about halfway through the uh, three volumes of uh, of pro reggae, just so you know where I'm at okay. right now, Jordan. Okay. It's 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 so good. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you for your work on that. Back to our conversation about um, God speaking to us not only through his Bible, we know that's He where he most clearly speaks to us, but he also speaks to us through creation about himself. And as we're talking about, it, it, it's not just speaking about himself, he speaks about more than that. And part of that is, again, who we are as being made in his image. And we've been reflecting on an article by uh, Bo Weingart, it was at uh, Quillette, where he talked about human, to be human is to be artificial, and I'm kind of going, wait a minute, maybe what's artificial is something else. Yeah, and, something that's new um, in our experience that we feel is wrong <laughs> or doesn't line up. So there's this dynamic, too, between what the world tells us we should be or who mm-hmm. we are and what God says about that and what we learn about Scripture about who we are. So... A big, you know, point of departure for the Weingard piece is this idea of identity, mm-hmm. which is at the center of so many discussions. Um, and so there's lots to think about and unpack there. But first of all, you know, we can we can connect that to that discussion of of human nature. Right. Um, it's really in in many important ways reducible to a question of what we believe about human beings, why they exist, why we exist, what we're for, what we're designed for, and what are the, the answers to those questions. And that's really the question of identity. Um, where do we define what, why we exist and what, what, what we're aimed towards and what our goal and telos is? Um, is it a, according to, you know, worldly standards? Is it what our friends tell us? Is it what our parents tell us? Is it, is it what God tells us or what we read about, you know, his, his will for us in, in scripture? Right. Getting back to that telos, now, for those who are, what does telos mean? Let's give a quick definition. Yeah, it just means the end or goal. It's the thing we're aiming towards. So there, there is a goal, and to get to that, I'm kind of going, you know, oftentimes we talk about what it means to flourish as a human being. And I wish I remember we were talking with, uh, with a friend of yours, uh, that we, mutual friend Ben Johnson, and this mm-hmm. morning, and he, uh, he brought up a quote from Irenaeus of Lyon. And I should have written it down, but he, he brought it out so well where he's talking about how um, a person is most themselves when they're most like God. Yeah. The glory of God is man fully alive might be. A there you go. That's it. That's it. Yep. 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 You hit it. <laughs> Yeah, so there's this intimate connection, as we've already, as you could imagine, obviously, by this language of of human beings being created in the image of God. That is, we're called to be like Him, right? And that's the language we read right away in those opening chapters of Genesis. And it's the way in which the, Satan tempts us. Uh, you know, he he tells Adam and Eve, "You're going to be like God," and uh, in some sense, that's what Adam and Eve have, are called to be, just like all of us. But we're supposed to, you know, bear his image in a particular way according to his his design and his will and the way that God would have it rather than what what Satan or our sinful sinful nature would tell us. So we're a- always aimed towards something. You know, there's the old song, you gotta serve somebody. Mm-hmm. We're always governed by some principle. We're always aiming either to be to serve God or to serve ourselves or to serve the world or Satan. And so there's that kind of a law. It, it, you know, it's baked in. We are always aimed towards something, even if we don't think we are. And so the question really ultimately is, who are we going to serve? Who are we going to understand our identity to be defined by? Is it God or is it what other people are telling us? So it really comes down to, you just you kind of use a phrase that I've been thinking about. I've been more and more realizing for creation to flourish, God's moral law is baked into it. 
it, for for yeah. for creation and for humans to flourish well, there is a moral reality, and it, that's unchanging. So God has a purpose and an end for creation that that um, you know He sees from the beginning, and that everything is aiming towards. And so that's the what's often called natural law or the moral order or the moral law that. Um, is in play and in place at the beginning of creation and is in effect in effect throughout all of the different dispensations, all of the different um, eras of civilization, all the different um, vagaries of, of human history. And so that's that's the standard by which we're we're called to to live. And of course, that's the same standard that we always fail to live up to. and that that leads to the need for someone who can fulfill that law according to God's original design, and that's Jesus Christ. But if Christ's fulfillment of that law doesn't, in in some sense, mean that we no longer are built that way or structured that way in the original design to mm-hmm. fulfill that law, we're, of course, still called to do that. And so we can talk about the law as convicting us, which, of course, it does once we're fallen into sin. We can talk about the law providing some kind of external safeguards or constraints on us which of course it does as it becomes manifest through through the laws of the land and the the customs of a of a particular you know people but it also provides us a guide for how to live and that's one way important way of understanding the the 10 commandments and and the the effectiveness of the law in the life of the christian believer that it gives us some concrete instructions for god's will for our lives you know don't, don't kill yeah, uh, which also has the positive uh, responsibility to promote the good of your neighbor. That's a that's a that's something that Christians are called to do: is to not only not harm people, but to do good to people. Oh, it goes so many directions, but we're kind of running out of time here. Um, if people wanted to dig onto this further, where do you think they should go? What would be a good, I don't know, articles or maybe even a good book that would help summarize it in, in hopefully good layman's English. Yeah, so um, I, I would always, of course, recommend scripture. You know, we've got this these important passages at the beginning uh, in Genesis one about human human beings be cre- created in the image of God. Psalm nineteen, that's a, always a great psalm to reflect on and to meditate on. Um, Paul's letter to the Romans, especially those first opening chapters, describes essentially where we're at. You know, as human beings in this fallen society in this fallen world. Um, and actually, you know, we'll go back to Kuiper. That's, that's, I guess, the place I would go. There's a little volume called Wisdom and Wonder, and the subtitle is Common Grace and Science and Art, which maybe doesn't sound like it has anything to do with what we were just talking about. But it actually plays out this exact dynamic between discerning what God's original will is in creation, um, what we're called to ultimately um, according to, to his will, and what we're tempted to do as fallen be- human beings. And he focuses it on, um, in a way, these two topics, what we know and pursue as human beings. That's what science means for Kuiper. It's this broad, you know, understanding of science in the sense that it's everything we explore in a kind of academic or, or regularized way. And then art, you know, what are the things, the cultural artifacts that we create and how do those manifest um, either God's will or our own selfish desires? Mm. <sighs> Another reading assignment. Thanks a lot, Jordan. <laughs> well, you might have already got it. So a little bit of a, I don't yeah, actually have the, that one. Those, those are actually the last ten chapters of his book on common of his three volumes on common grace. Oh, I, then I have read it. Then I yeah, have read it. Right. Okay, okay. It's but they're enough. a nice little accessible version in that in the volume called Wisdom and Wonder. There yeah. you go. All right. Well, Jordan, thanks again for joining us. Uh, what's the be- where's the best place people can get a hold of you, Jordan? 
Yeah, um, I'm at crcd.net. That's um, the Center for Religion, Culture, and Democracy. I'm on Twitter at, at Jordan Baller, J-O-R-D-A-N-B-A-L-L-O-R. And yeah, you can Sounds find good. me there. Thanks yes. for your time, Jordan. Thank you. All right. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul Perot. This is Faith Radio. Well, as we wind down today's Mornings with Carmen, I'm Paul Perot. Thank you again for joining me and again encouraging you not only keep in prayer for the people in Florida being heavily affected by the damage from Hurricane Ian and, well, possibly places up along the eastern seaboard in the coming days, but also be a part of the relief efforts. Uh, get in touch with whichever one, Samaritan's Purse or whatever organization, and help out. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.